Hi, and welcome to this week's episode of Seen and Heard, industry updates for the modern dairy family. I'm Melissa Lima, your North Coast and Organic Field Services representative, bringing you this week's episode. This week, we hear from Paul Souza, our Director of Environmental and Regulatory Affairs, with a recap of his report from last week's board meeting. And Darby has a sit-down with Tulare County Sheriff Mike Boudreaux to talk about the recent update in rural crime in the area and what producers can do to prepare their facilities should something occur. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. We'll jump right in with Paul. Hi, I'm Jessica with PG&E. 811 is a free service to keep our communities safe. Before you do any digging, PG&E will mark your gas and electric lines so you don't hit them. Call 811 before you dig. To learn more, visit pge.com safety. We are so grateful to welcome back to the show, Paul Souza, Western United Dairies Director of Regulatory and Environmental Affairs. Welcome back, Paul. Yeah, thank you for having me. Paul, as is tradition, we try to catch up with you after our most recent board of directors meeting and kind of go over your environmental report so that general dairymen have an idea of what was discussed at the board and what some of the ongoing and upcoming issues are as far as environmental regulations. So we wanted to meet today to kind of go through some of that. Um, Just going through your notes from the board meeting, AMP and the digester um, projects are first on the agenda, but we did talk quite in depth about those last week. So anything else you would like to add? Just another reminder, yeah. So that was the first thing I talked to the board about and uh, gave them an update on. The only thing I'd like to say to that again is um, there is another round of funding. Uh, it looks like we're going to have $48 million in the state's next fiscal year, which starts July 1st. So there could be a round of applications as soon as this fall. And it's just a reminder to members to start getting ready to that, figure out, you know, what do I want? Where does it go on the dairy? What company do I want to go with? What model of whatever equipment I want? Um, it's time to start thinking about that stuff and start getting in touch with contractors and getting bids and getting designs. Um, it's definitely not too early to start with that. And so that's the one thing, again, uh, I hit on that on the uh, podcast regarding AMP and digesters. And I would just reiterate that again here, that uh, if you're thinking about that, start looking into it, uh, give us a call, ask some questions, uh, and see what uh, this program can do for you. Definitely. I would echo those sentiments. Just call early, call often, and the same goes for your contractors and um, vendors for those projects. Okay, Paul, well, the next thing is something that's not new to anybody. Um, AERB is trying to meet their 2030 target for a 40% reduction in GHG emissions and the 2045 target of achieving carbon neutrality. So let's talk about a little bit about what that means for dairies right now. Yeah, sure. And that uh, 2045 target is actually a new thing to achieving carbon neutrality. Uh, The 2030 target's been in place for a while. So, um, and especially as it relates to dairy, On March 28th, the Air Resources Board released uh, a document that was required by 1383 uh, called the Analysis of Progress Towards Achieving 2030 Livestock Methane Emissions Target. Um, It was supposed to be an update to the legislature about how the dairy industry and ARB was doing uh, in meeting that target. And in that analysis, uh, ARB sticks to its position that the legislation 1383 gives them authority to reduce the total livestock methane emissions by 40% instead of just 40% uh, emissions reductions on manure um, emissions. The way I read it and the way we actually have a legislative council opinion uh, that also makes that pretty clear that that is the way the legislation was written. Uh, we've made comments on that to ARB. 
uh, and they stick, they're obviously sticking by their guns uh, of their misinterpretation of the legislation, uh, requiring basically double the emission reductions from the dairy industry uh, that the than the legislation really has in it. Uh, we've commented multiple times, we continue to work on this issue, uh, but ARB has really dug in their heels on their interpretation of that. Uh, the very next day, um, it's kind of interesting, nothing like a meeting to uh, spur the release of a document that's uh, almost two years overdue. I think it was due in uh, July 1st of 2020 that they were supposed to release that uh, analysis of progress. So they held a meeting on March 29th, the day after they released the final analysis of progress um, on dairy methane. It was a workshop um, that came from uh, a petition by environmental justice or anti-dairy groups uh, that are looking to exclude dairies from the low carbon fuel standard. Uh, and that really brings uh, revenue and uh, to digesters and makes digesters uh, feasible on dairies to achieve the goals uh, that we were just talking about in 1383. Um, these folks are trying to kill all incentives to dairy, uh, but especially the LCFS credit that supports digesters. Um, it was an interesting, it was an all day workshop, an interesting workshop. Um, everyone was on the same page, uh, the dairy industry, the California Resources Board, the Water Board, the local air districts, uh, that dairy is doing the right thing. We're making progress, we're moving in the right direction. We are reducing our greenhouse gas emissions and we're doing so in a way that is protective of water quality and air quality, except for those anti-dairy groups. Um, they really stood out as really being opposed to any progress that we're making, uh, really being opposed to um, us meeting our goals. Uh, that became uh, pretty clear in the meeting. And so right. um, really interesting dynamic there. Um, there was this kind of, uh, kind of strange thing that happened at that meeting. So it was open for public comment. And there were public comments from folks from the dairy industry and uh, from anti-dairy folks that talked about how uh, terrible dairies are. But there was a, a handful of folks from Iowa that were complaining about how the low carbon fuel standard was negatively impacting water quality in Iowa as dairies there were building digesters to take advantage of the LCFS to ship the credits to California, but they didn't have the same water quality oversight that our dairies do here in California. So I didn't you know, fully understand their comments. Digesters don't uh, negatively impact water quality, um, but their thought was either, you know, take the LCFS out. That was kind of their thing. Don't give dairies in Iowa LCFS credits, or, uh, you know, they, they need to have the same oversight that dairies do in California for water quality. Just kind of an interesting dynamic to the meeting that I thought really stuck out to me. Yeah, it sort of seems like they should be addressing that with their water quality people in Iowa, but I think, Paul, what we could probably all deduce is, some activist here in California has a cousin in Iowa and they kind of got maybe this community group on board or something. It's just a weird um, venue for those folks to air out their frustrations, especially when we know digesters have a lot of co-benefits, including water quality. And most importantly, they're helping to reduce methane emissions, which I think Iowans would appreciate, but I guess yeah. we'll have to keep scratching our heads on that one. Yeah. Yeah, I, interesting. Maybe we'll hear more about it, uh, but that, that was interesting. It wasn't just one. There were multiple people uh, yeah. that made that comment. So I just, I, I thought that was a, an unexpected um, kind of angle at the meeting. Absolutely. Uh, next, still sticking with the California Resources Board, uh, they released their draft 2022 scoping plan. Uh, the scoping plan lays out um, kind of the future for greenhouse gas emission reductions. It's not the actual regulations, it's just the framework. And then regulations have to be written 
to achieve the framework. And this is the um, framework that primarily they're looking at the, um, the main goal of this is looking at the 2045 target for achieving carbon neutrality. That actually is laid out in the scoping plan. Um, so being carbon neutral by 2045, and they kind of lay out some big picture scenarios, and then they would go back and write specific uh, regulations to achieve that. Um, taking some excerpts from the dairy part of that, uh, it's, a, you know, it's a long document, but it deals with fuels and it deals with everything. Uh, and dairy is a small part. There's a couple of pages uh, dedicated to dairy on that. And uh, just a couple of excerpts. They have uh, some bullet points in there of kind of their vision for dairy. Um, the first one is um, ARB promotes or supports the installation of state-of-the-art anaerobic digesters on dairies that maximize air and water quality protection, maximizing biomethane capture. And so this is good to see because, you know, the anti-dairy folks are trying to attack this um, so that we can't meet our goals and so that, you know, we're in trouble with ARB, but ARB is uh, following the science and seeing that we're achieving a lot of reductions with digesters and, um, you know, they're supporting that. And so they are supporting digesters. But again, they're looking at digesters that maximize air quality and uh, water quality protection. And so, um, you know, it's, it's good to see that, but uh, they are asking to make sure that those are the cleanest possible. The next three are to increase the alternative manure management projects. Um, as we know them as AMP, and we've been uh, doing a lot of work on that. Uh, to implement enteric fermentation strategies that are cost-effective, scientifically proven, safe for animal and human health, and acceptable to consumers and do not impact animal productivity, uh, and then provide financial incentives for those strategies as needed. And the last one is to accelerate demand for dairy and livestock product substitutes, such as plant-based dairy and livestock products to achieve reductions in animal populations. I do wanna point out those last three, um, the Air Resources Board are say, is saying that came from uh, the environmental justice folks. They have a committee that gets together and meets. Uh, and so the supporting the alternative manure management program, implementing enteric fermentation strategies and uh, moving away from um, milk to plant-based uh, products uh, are you know, another angle that our friends that, uh, in the anti-dairy community are uh, taking with ARB. And so- I, I think Paul, those probably aren't a surprise, especially that last one, but it is a little bit alarming to see those in a in a public document that comes from ARB. It, it is, it was written by ARB, ARB picked these things. So that's right. Um, I would say, you know, this supports uh, Western's recent movement to hire a um, dietitian nutritionist. Yeah. Um, we are working on this issue. So this is out for public comment for those that are, um, you know, got excited about this, that um, draft scoping plan is out for public comment. Comments are due in mid-June, which we are working on comments, and we are going to get our um, nutritionist uh, dietitian involved, um, you know, talking about the impacts of that move to plant-based uh, alternatives to dairy. And we've talked on this podcast before, Melissa, you know, as a father, um, yeah. you know, if my kids, you know, don't eat or you know, are, are being picky and don't want to eat something, I feel good about them having a tall glass of milk. If they refuse to eat anything else on their plate, I feel, hey, they got their nutrition. And yeah. I, I couldn't feel the same way about, uh, you know, some plant-based uh, product that doesn't contain the same level of nutrients and proteins. And so um, I, it is important to keep that in mind and to, uh, you know, press that on ARB. And so we will be commenting on that. Good, good. 
next, um, along the same lines, um, I included a uh, press release in uh, the board packet uh, that our viewers can actually look up online. Um, it was by a company called DSM and Elenco uh, that they have partnered up to um, produce and sell a product called Bovair or 3NOP, which is a feed additive that reduces enteric methane emissions by 30%. Um, it's been approved for use in Europe, uh, Brazil, Chile, um, Australia, and several other countries. Uh, it's currently pending FDA approval in the United States. Uh, these companies are very optimistic about the revenue potential of this product. Uh, and this is just something that I wanna keep the board and our members uh, apprised on. Uh, you're going to be seeing more of this stuff. Uh, once FDA approves this, uh, there will be a lot of talk around this. So I want folks to be aware that you know this is happening, and this is uh, it, it, you know this this conversation is going to continue to increase. Uh, and so it, at this point, it was just kind of a heads up, nothing specific. Uh, but I will be talking more about this with the board and then with our membership also, um, because this has got a lot of uh, momentum behind it. Sure. And we did learn that there are a few concerns with the product, Paul. Maybe what we'll try to do is get um, you and, and someone who's a little bit more of an expert about it on the show in the next couple of months. Yeah. Yeah. So I did meet with DSM uh, several years ago, and we uh, were talking about the product and how it works. And, um, it, you know, they said it can be safe, but there are some risks. Um, if you accidentally increase the dosage, um, it could have serious consequences for the cows. And so you've got to be extremely careful right. um, with how much you're feeding and that you don't make a mistake um, about, you know, putting too much of that in the ration. Yep. Next item um, I appraised the board on was the, uh, that the California Dairy Research Foundation uh, that also oversees the California Dairy Quality Assurance Program or CDQAP applied for a USDA Climate Smart Commodities Grant uh, for 98 million, uh, for 99 million dollars, uh, with 90% of that going uh, funding going for on-farm projects. Um, this would fund innovative AMP type projects like uh, vermi and provide for research for quantifying the greenhouse gas emission reductions from those projects and creating credits from them, and then finding markets for those credits. So uh, we got our fingers crossed. I really hope. Uh, that this funding comes through because it can really help us out here in California to um, try to capture more value from these credits uh, so that we can move forward with some of these projects that uh, reduce methane emissions that are not digesters um, and then help get some revenue to help pay for them. So yeah, um, that's the hope. Um, next item was on tricolored blackbirds. Um, you know, it, it, we, we're wrapping up with another season. Um, it was a season like most, except with one major exception. Uh, funding was at about $750 an acre, like it was last year. But the big exception this year was what feed costs are. Uh, that $750 an acre normally cuts it for folks. Um, you know, it, it doesn't make up for all their costs, but at least their losses are not, you know, terribly great. Uh, this year, that just is nowhere near covering the costs with the way feed costs are. Um, We've talked to NRCS, they can't raise their payment rates this year uh, because they're a large organization and they don't move that quickly. Um, we did submit information to raise the rates for next year, but that's not gonna help us for this year. 
So we're working with the Department of Fish and Wildlife to see if they can help fill that gap this year. I actually have a meeting um, later this week, tomorrow, um, to um, try to you know get see if we can get some funding, raise that $750, and that would be for the folks that were affected this year. Um, no guarantees on that. If somebody's listening to this podcast that had tricolored blackbirds this year, uh, we are trying. Um, you're you know you know you're going to get the $750 per acre, but we're really trying to increase that. Uh, and seeing what we can do for that. I really trying to help folks out in this year when they, you know, it, they took too much of a hit by having to delay harvest on uh, a part of their fields for the tricolored blackbirds. And this, as with any of the items we talk about, Paul, if producers have specific questions, don't hesitate to email or give Paul a call at the office. He's so great about walking through individual scenarios on all of these issues. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, anything that you hear from me, um, you know, feel free. I am happy to take your call. I mean, that's what I do. Uh, don't feel that you're bothering me. Um, I mean, I am here for you. So uh, go ahead and give me a call at the office. I would be happy to talk to you about these things. Um, I think this might also be a good opportunity to talk about uh, an issue that you brought up at the board, uh, Melissa. It wasn't on my items, but um, the Ventana Wildlife Society reached out to me um, and looking to um, uh, help restore condors, and they're looking for help from dairies in the kind of Los Banos Gustine area. Um, if you're a dairy in that area and um, you're interested in helping this out, we checked with some of our members that are working with them already. Um, go ahead and reach out to me. I'm interested in, uh, um, you know, just seeing if you have some interest in working with that. I think we'll leave the specifics uh, yeah. out of it on the podcast, but, um, you know, if, if you're interested, um, it seems like it is a legit uh, thing, and uh, they're looking for, for some help from some dairies, like I said, in that uh, Western Merced County area. Yeah, and a lot of people ask what, you know, what could Western possibly do to facilitate helping the condors? It's a actually a really cool program. And again, we won't get too far into details, but the producers that have worked with them um, have let us know it's very easy. And um, they, the Ventana Society themselves on social media have praised um, our producers in Western very much for the help. It's really making a big difference. So you know, cheers yeah. to cheers to having some good outcomes once in a while and some good news to share. Yeah, yeah, great. And so folks, feel free to, you know, reach out to me on that also if you're interested in uh, knowing more about that or if you're in Western Merced County and you want to help. Um, my next item uh, is regarding the State Water Board uh, reviewing a petition, again, by our um, environmental justice anti-dairy groups on the Central Valley Dairy Order. Um, for water quality. Um, there are significant changes coming in water quality regulations in the next several years uh, as a result of this. And uh, Dr. Mike Payne, um, in summarizing a meeting that I was in um, on this, said it very well. I'll, I'll uh, provide his quotation here. He said, we are getting ready to embark on the most intense regulatory changes in the dairy industry that we've seen in a decade and a half. And I think that sums it up very well. Yeah. Um, you know, there, there are a lot of changes coming, uh, not very quickly, but folks should be, you know, aware and prepared for that. Uh, the State Water Board is going to write and release an order mandating that the Central Valley Water Board revise their dairy general order um, and other livestock orders in the Central Valley. Although we're getting some pretty clear indication that this will be limited to the Central Valley, which you and I have talked, Melissa, uh, is really great because the things that the State Water Board is coming up uh, are going to be challenging in the Central Valley, 
I think they would be absolutely impossible in other areas of the state that dairy yeah. differently than we do here in the Central Valley. I agree with so, that assessment. Yeah. Yeah, so it, it looks like it's limited to the Central Valley. It's not written yet, so we don't know exactly what's going to be in it. But we have some ideas. There's been some meetings. Um, they're looking to, to, uh, to test lagoons against a seepage standard. Um, this is a huge challenge because not all lagoons are testable. Uh, there is a test method out there, but it requires very specific things that uh, most lagoons can't meet and so, or you know, meet the standards to be able to be tested. Um, the lagoons we did test, we have done this. Uh, the majority of them do uh, meet the seepage standard. They would be okay, the vast majority of them, but you just can't test most of the lagoons. And so that's a challenge. And then uh, the other part is in the cropland, that's around the lagoons and in the cropland, um, they're looking to report and achieve a whole farm nitrogen balance. This would be a nitrogen balance between the nitrogen produced um, by the cows in their manure, the nitrogen you can use on farm and the nitrogen that you export. They're looking to um, you know, look that those all add up. And so this is gonna be a, a big challenge for some dairies that are uh, coming up here and uh, big changes. We're talking years because by the time the state board releases their order, then the regional board has to open their order and go through a public process. We're, you know, we're possibly talking two, three, four years uh, until this is done. But once that order gets adopted by the Central Valley Water Board, uh, there will be some big changes in it. For sure, yeah. Um, also talked about um, on water quality, uh, priority two nitrate management zones are starting to form and there's letters being worked on by the Central Valley Water Board to get these things going. This is part of that CV salts process. Um, the priority one nitrate management zones are up and going and working very well. Uh, about two thirds of the dairies are in priority one zones. Uh, the rest of the dairies are gonna be picked up mostly by these priority two zones. And so just being aware of that and getting engaged, um, this is gonna include areas like Eastern San Joaquin, Delta Mendota, Merced, Madera, and Kern County uh, groundwater subbasins. Um, if you're in one of those areas, you know, you're probably going to start to see some activity and you probably want to reach out and connect uh, and really kind of guide that in the direction that is favorable for dairy. The right. Central Valley Dairy Representative Monitoring Program uh, is looking for liaisons. They are really following this process closely. And so um, either board members of theirs or dairies that are not board members. Um, that are willing to serve as liaisons between the CVDRMP board and these nitrate management zones are being sought. And so if you're looking for that, you can either contact me or the Central Valley Dairy Representative Monitoring Program directly. Um, they're looking for folks, especially in those priority two zones that I just mentioned. And the last thing I had is, uh, it's been a while now, it's been uh, like six, uh, four weeks, uh, that the water board in the Central Valley sent out uh, nitrate warning letters on drinking water. Um, yes. Every year when they get annual reports, if the annual report includes a domestic well that was over the drinking water standard, they send a letter to that dairy saying, you know, please notify anybody that's drinking water from this well that it contains nitrate and that they should seek, uh, seek alternative sources of water. And so, you know, folks got that. And I've gotten a couple of uh, alarmed calls uh, it's something that happens every year. You should you know, follow the advice on the letter. Um, this year, there actually is some help. You can actually go to, if you're in a priority one management zone, um, you can actually get some help with providing uh, bottled water um, for employees uh, if that's necessary. So 
a couple of options for you to deal with there. Some of them are written in the letter. That one was not included as one of the options, but uh, it is one of the options to consider. And so that was my board report. Do we know how many of those letters went out, Paul, just so we can kind of have an idea of who we might want to I do not. Okay. Yeah. Um, and they, out of the Sacramento office of the regional board, they went out about six weeks ago. And out of the Fresno office of the regional board, they went out about four weeks ago. So they're not okay. that fresh. Uh, you know, folks that have gotten those, you know, would have seen that. I, I don't remember if we talked about, you know, what numbers went out. Uh, but, um, you know, some folks got them and some folks didn't. If you didn't, that's not a problem. Uh, that's a good thing. If you got them, uh, you know, take a look at the letter and uh, follow the advice on the letter. Definitely. And you certainly have access to your well data. So if you think exactly something's fishy, please reach out and we can help you figure it out. But yep. well, Paul, it's not always sunshine and roses, but today you did have some spots of good news and we sure appreciate the update either way. Um, so dairy producers can kind of think about what they need to plan for and how they're going to get through the next few years. It's a little frustrating, but we're here to help and you're here to help especially. So don't hesitate yep. to reach out to Paul. Absolutely. Great. Well, thanks, Paul. We'll, we'll catch you next time. Yep. Thank you for having me. Yosemite Farm Credit is the farmer's choice for agriculture financing. As a farmer-owned cooperative, we are dedicated to serving our neighbors in the agriculture community with financial products and services tailored to your operation and backed with the relationship you can trust. Whether you're purchasing real estate, making improvements to the dairy, or wanting to purchase or lease equipment, we're here to help our members prosper. Visit our website at yosemitefarmcredit.com to find a branch location nearest you. Well, I'm here today with Sheriff Mike Boudreau, the Sheriff of Tulare County. Thank you so much for taking the time to be on our podcast. Of course. Thank you for having me. Would you mind, as we get started, introducing yourself to our members, telling us about your career, yourself, and your current role? Sure. Well, I'm the 30th elected sheriff of Tulare County. Um, I've been in the sheriff's office for 36 years, all of my adult life. I started when I was 19 years old, actually, with the sheriff's department here. My dad was a deputy and moved on to detective and retired after 30 years with the sheriff's office. My brother actually just retired from the California Highway Patrol, so we really have a a long bloodline of law enforcement history in our family. Uh, I have a bachelor's degree and a master's degree, both in organizational development, criminal justice, and I'm also a graduate of the FBI National Academy. Um, I, I enjoy my career. I'm very blessed to be the elected sheriff here in this county. I am just very proud of, of everything that we do here. Our agency is close to a thousand people uh, that work here. And uh, I'm just very, very proud of the men and women who are in law enforcement, especially in, in current day. Well, thanks. We appreciate it. I actually have a dad who just retired after 33 years on the California Highway Patrol in December. So we're quite nice. proud of our law enforcement and our family, too. That's wonderful. Yeah. So we really wanted to have you on today because we know that ag crime is on the forefront of our dairy members' minds. Can we start with asking about just how big the ag crime problem is? Well, as with anything else, um, you know, there's so many factors that fall into play as to why we're seeing uh, a bit of a spike in our agricultural related crime, but specifically here in Tulare County, uh, the central San Joaquin Valley, 
our bread and butter for our families here is our agricultural industry. Our dairies, our growers, our farmers, our ranchers, our cattlemen, um, you know, the families here in the Central Valley, that's what we were raised in, is agriculture. Having said that, criminals recognize that there's money to be made <clears throat> through either the theft of agricultural equipment, um, or even I think we'll get into later about the, the, the armed robberies that we've had take place at uh, some of our local dairies. But criminals, when there's money to be made through criminal means, they're gonna find a way to uh, take that property. And some of the stuff that gets taken as an example, I mean, we have small calves that are taken off dairies. Um, we have uh, wide ranging into um, a, a large amount of pistachios uh, that would be stolen from one of our growers during the uh, delivery process. And so um, it's a big industry. There's a lot of money to be made on the criminal side of things. Um, so it becomes equally as important that we have dedicated resources uh, to protect our families, to protect our ag industry, uh, to protect our ag community. And what we've done here in the sheriff's office is we've developed and have had for many years an agricultural crimes investigative unit. Um, and, and so I'm sure we'll touch on that as we go along. Well, it, like you said, it's such a big industry and it touches so many people. And we know that firsthand with our members. So many of them have seen or experienced the theft of their equipment or supplies, or they know a neighbor who has. What can our dairy producers do to help protect their operations and equipment? Well, I think, I think with anything else, uh, you would treat the dairy just like your home. Uh, be vigilant in your surroundings and watching for suspicious vehicle and or uh, people. When we have suspicious vehicles and or people, call that in. Give us a phone call. And a lot of people who work hard every day, you know, they, they, they may see a car. It's pretty common out in the, uh, our agricultural communities and maybe not think to make that phone call because it's maybe it's someone on the side of the road just getting gas or ran out of gas or car trouble. It's important that we get phone calls each and every time there's a suspicious vehicle, as well as looking out for your neighbor. All the farmers and ranchers and dairymen, they all know each other. Um, become very familiar with who is allowed on those properties. Post no trespassing signs. Make uh, the criminal know that uh, you're paying attention uh, by posting um, uh, you know, notices that there is surveillance equipment. And then lastly, I would say that it's important that we do have quality video surveillance equipment. That has really helped law enforcement um, crack cases wide open and, and get the bad guy in jail where they need to be. Well, good. I think those are all great things that we should all be vigilant for. And <clears throat> if our listeners are not in Tulare County, I would also encourage them to reach out and know their local sheriff. And I'm sure that's maybe a message you would share as well. It is. I think it's important that uh, the sheriff uh, is uh, accessible, that he hears the issues and concerns, and then more importantly, that we address those concerns. And, you know, the, the hard thing is, is that criminals are out there, but we have to work in partnership with the resources that we have to uh, either one, deter the crime or to prevent the crime. Uh, but it's going to take a partnership. And so I would argue very much uh, introduce yourself to the sheriff and or invite him to uh, ag related events where you can uh, meet with him or her. Um, and, and up and down the state, I sit on the California State Sheriff's Association Executive Board. And 
uh, I'll tell you that all our sheriffs who are in elected positions, they have a heart for that position. They want to be um, intermingled and in, in, uh, in friendly relationships and good working relationships and partnerships with, with all of their ag community. So I find that to be true. And, and I do see that our sheriffs up and down the state work real hard to try and make that relationship happen. I agree. I think that's something that we really see as well. We touched on this earlier, but more recently, it seems like we're seeing an increase in some scarier crime, like the armed robbery of the employees that have recently occurred. What should our dairy producers know about this? And again, what can they do to protect their employees and their operations? You know, we really don't see these things happen all that often, but when they do happen, um, it's important, again, as we touched on before, good video surveillance equipment, calling in suspicious vehicles, don't try and be the hero. When they, when they come in and they're armed, uh, give them what they want. Um, unless you're armed yourself, you know, and I'm a big Second Amendment constitutional sheriff that believes that we have the right to bear arms to protect ourselves. But, you know, that's a situation each individual is going to have to answer on their own. But, you know, in situations like that, being the best witness that you can be is, is really important. Um, and then it's also important that all of that that we talked about before is in place. We're able to retrieve that video uh, surveillance equipment quickly. We're able to get the information on the suspect vehicle out quickly. Um, all of that is uh, vital in trying to track uh, these bad guys down. But this happens very rarely that we've seen in the county as far as an armed robbery. But when it does happen, it's really shocking to the census. Now, what we're happy to report is that we did have all that in place. Our dairymen, uh, had video surveillance equipment. Our detectives were actually watching the video and putting out the information when our patrolman got into a pursuit uh, of the suspect vehicle, all because of the partnerships we had with the, the dairies in the local area. Well, that's, that's really great to hear. I know quite a few of my members have been asking for you know, a status update about that event. And so it's good to hear that there were those things in place that allowed you to, to catch, catch the bad guys for lack of a better phrase. Yeah, and so all four of those people are still in custody. You know, They fired weapons at our officers. One of the officers received a bullet hole from the suspect that went into his sleeve. Fortunately, never hit his body, but it went into the sleeve on the front end near the the uh, elbow, and then it came out uh, towards the tricep area in the sleeve only. It was a bullet hole through and through. It never hit his arm, but that's how dangerous it was. And so they fired at our officers and we fired back. Um, and so all four of them are still in custody facing all these felony charges. Well, I'm glad that officer was safe. And we really want to thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy day to be on with us today. Um, I did see on the sheriff's website that you do have an app that's been released and I actually downloaded it to my phone um, and have been poking around on it. And it looks like there's a lot of really great resources there for people who want to download that. There is the Tulare County uh, Sheriff's app. We put a lot of information out on that and um, we would ask people to take a look at our social media. We try to put as much as we can on Facebook um, uh, Twitter and Instagram, uh, <clears throat> as far as updates and as well as uh, people we're looking for. Um, you know, it, case in point, we just had uh, another tractor theft uh, within this last uh, couple weeks, and uh, the suspect had uh, bailed out. Well, within 24 hours, one of our officers actually um, made an arrest on them again, 
where they had stolen stolen a forklift at a packing house. And the packing house wasn't even aware that the forklift was missing. I always like those really nice stories. We're able to return the property, put the bad guy in jail. But I think it really stands true to some of the issues that we're facing with law enforcement in Sacramento, our Proposition 47 and 57 when it comes to misdemeanor or felony property crimes. Uh, that's really hurting us in law enforcement because someone like this was able to bail out at a relatively low bail because it's considered a property crime and not a crime against person. <clears throat> you know, I, I sitting on the sheriff's board, I'm trying very hard to establish a narrative that shows that Proposition 47 and 57 with these misdemeanor property crime offenses, the way that they're um, looking at these with low level offenses, allowing people back out on the street, that is a voice that I'm trying to present. And I would ask that anyone in the ag industry that has a voice in Sacramento, that they argue that point as well. We have people stealing trailers and forklifts and propane tanks and um, batteries and and the agricultural yields, all of that is considered property crimes, not crimes against persons. And so um, it's important that we send that narrative to Sacramento and our local legislators. And I would ask up and down the state for the people who are hearing me today, get a hold of your legislatures. Let them know that the Proposition 47 is a failure and it's impacting our agricultural industry up and down the state of California. Well, I'm sure that many of our listeners would agree with you and hopefully this will encourage them to reach out to their legislators. I hope so. Well, thank you again. As we wrap up here, is there any other information or resources you would like to share? No, I would just argue that, you know, we talked earlier about being a partnership, working together, collaborative effort. Law enforcement cannot do it all on their own. You know, our resources are limited to say the least. We still have other crimes that we have to investigate, but we have dedicated some investigators to our ag crime. But how come the reason that we're successful here in Tulare County is because we have partners. Our ag community, we're very well networked in with our Tulare County Farm Bureau. Um, we work in partnership with the uh, counties that border us with Kings, Kern, and Fresno County. <clears throat> we, our investigators, meet with their investigators on a pretty regular basis, and we share that information back and forth. And we've had some great success stories where uh, stolen property has ended up either in our county or in those sister counties as far down as LA, Riverside, and San Diego. And so those partnerships, not only with law enforcement are important, but the collaborative partnerships with our agricultural community and sharing that information is equally as vital. And so I would, I would share and end with that. Well, thank you very much. We appreciate your time. No, thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Did you know that you can turn your dairy manure into cash? Bennett Environmental is offering above-ground dairy digesters at no cost to you. These systems can also remove nitrates from your lagoons to help you comply with water board regulations. Our proven above-ground technology will generate income for your dairy into the foreseeable future. Because we truck the renewable natural gas off-site, your dairy can profit regardless of your location. Bennett Environmental, turning your wastewater liabilities into sustainable assets. Learn more at bennett-environmental.com. Thanks for joining us for this week's episode of Seen and Heard, and a special thanks to Paul Souza and Sheriff Mike Boudreaux. We really appreciate their time this week, and we hope you enjoyed the episode. We hope you'll rate, review, and subscribe to Seen and Heard on your favorite listening platform. And remember, if you have content requests, questions, or comments, email D-A-R-B-Y at W-U-Dairies.com 
or M-L-E-M-A at wudairies.com. We hope you have a great week. While West United Dairies respects the varied views of our podcast guests, please know that views expressed on Seen and Heard may not necessarily reflect the positions of the West United Dairies Board of Directors. Thank you to Western United Dairies generous business sponsors, Gar Bennett, California Dairy Magazine, Farm Credit Alliance, FNR Ag Services, Moss Energy Works, Bennett Environmental, PG&E, and Yosemite Farm Credit. We appreciate our sponsors and thank them for their continued support. If you'd like more information on how to sponsor Western United Dairies or this podcast, please send us an email at info at wudairies.com. That's info at wudairies.com.